0: our worship service. Let's stand together as we begin. Because of your love. Let's welcome our Lord with a praise offering this morning. What a great God that we serve. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Anybody enjoy themselves this weekend? Amen? All right, one person. We have one person who enjoyed. One thankful participant. I know it was such a good time with our family and friends, but uh, Wednesday night we came together. We had a great time of, uh, of being together with God's people. Fellowshipping. We're going to sing Count Your Many Blessings in just a moment, but I want you to first of all greet those around you and welcome everyone here. Have a happy Thanksgiving weekend.
1: You what the Lord has done, count your blessings one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. You remember the song? Now join in with us. Are you ever burdened with the Lord of? See happy you are called to bear. Count your many blessings, every doll will fly, and you will be singing as the days go high. Count your blessings, make them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your many blessings, make them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their lands and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your many blessings, money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven, nor your hope on high. Count your blessings, one by one. Count your blessings, see what... Whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is all.
0: Seated, please. As we thank God this weekend, 10,000 reasons to thank the Lord and bless His name.
1: Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship. Sing like never before, oh, my soul, worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song.
0: God, we've come this morning to do as you've asked us to do in your word, to bless your name, to put you at the place of highest honor. God, we thank you for this this time that we've had this week in our church. What a great week it's been to give thanks to you, to bless your name. Father, we thank you for our people. We thank you most of all for our God. And I ask, Lord, that you'd be with us as we continue this morning. Thank you for leading us to the cross for which we're most thankful. In your name we pray. Amen. As we continue this morning, lead me to the cross. Savior, I come. Quiet my soul. Take a moment this morning as we sing and connect your spirit with the Lord as we sing
1: together. Savior.
2: Singing today. <coughs> so good to see you in the Lord's house on this Thanksgiving weekend. If you're, if you're happy to be here, say another amen. <laughs> Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you and pull out uh, one of our little friendship folders and pass it down the road. First of all, let, let me uh, just mention this survey that we um, put in your Sunday Courier today. <clears throat> If you'll be so kind to fill this out for us, we're trying to determine what two hours we're going to have our Christmas Eve service here in the church. Uh, We normally have it at 6 and 8, but there is a trend to do services earlier. So we put a 4 o'clock on here. (coughs) And um, so if you're, whichever service you think is most convenient for you, would you kind of make your mark on there and turn this in today? as we, uh, we're trying to get a reading from everybody, okay? Next Sunday, Jeff and Arlene Berg will be here. They're our missionaries to uh, the Jewish population on the east side of Pittsburgh. They live in Monroeville, and uh, they're, they're right here on our birthday gift to Jesus gift list. I want to encourage you to take this list and place it all around your house, okay? I've got them spread around our house. My most favorite one is on the icebox, and uh, I'm reminded repeatedly that I'm going to, to pray the list. And I'm praying down this list, asking the Lord to give, uh, lay it upon all of our hearts to meet the needs of these missionaries. So I want to ask you this year to do something bigger than you've ever done before. Take this list and say, hey, listen, I'm going to take a project off of this list. Uh, maybe uh, somebody in Uganda or Panama or Ecuador or Haiti, and we're going to make this our family project. And uh, let's do something superior than we've ever done before. First of all, by praying about our part. What would God have us to do? Secondly, giving more to Jesus than any other single person on our gift list. Um, I think if all of us would do that, we would be able to uh, to take care of all these items on the list so take care of that when you, when you do send in your gifts or bring them in make sure you designate it Christmas Okay. also there are a few few tickets left for the last weekend of our dinner theater out there in the foyer so pick up them after the service let's stand together please as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you for that you've given us the privilege to be able to come into your presence today and bring you praise. We pray now that you will uh, bless us together as we give our tithes and our offerings to Christ. Lord, we, uh, we thank you that we have a job, a means of income And now we come, Lord, to provide the income for the church, uh, to take care of all the responsibilities that we have and uh, to be a blessing to our missionaries uh, in faraway places. We pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
1: may what i behold still my anxious heart take what i have known and break it all apart for you my god are greater still and no sky contains no doubt restrains all you are the greatness of our god i spent my life to know and i'm far from close to all you are the greatness of our This moment here, to believe that there is nothing left to fear, and that you alone are high above it all, for you, my God, are greater still. The greatness of our...
0: Great, amen. We're getting ready this weekend for the first part of our dinner theater Friday and Saturday. This is about an opportunity for you to see the greatness of God as you pray and invite people and you want to bring them to Christ. It's because He is great, amen. Our God is so awesome, He is so incredibly powerful. We can't even fathom the total depth of His power. And God's left you and I here to carry that message to our neighbors, to our relatives, to the people that we work with. You know, we're praying over the people we've been wanting to invite to the dinner theater. We're excited about it. Yesterday, somebody knocked on my door and said, Hey, you didn't invite me to the dinner theater this year. Isn't that that exciting? Somebody came to me and said, Where's my ticket? And, uh, And we're just so excited about that because that's an answer to prayer. Here's some people that we hadn't gotten to yet this year, and they said, we want to come to that thing. God is drawing people to himself, and he's using you and I to do it. It's because of who he is. It's because of the greatness of our God. This weekend, let's dedicate Friday and Saturday this week. Next weekend, Friday and Saturday, let's dedicate them in prayer. If you're here... And bring a friend that's exciting. I want you to, to be praying for your friend and bring them. If you're not here on one of those days, would you please remember us in prayer throughout those hours from six 6.15 to about 9 o'clock. We'll just ask God to work as we have this meal in the gym. We come over here and our, our people have worked so hard together to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're just trying to share the greatness of our God. I, I, you know, if I didn't have that hope that we just sang, which comes from the book of Romans, that no life, no death, nothing can separate me from the love of God. If I didn't have that hope, where would I be? And so the people that we're inviting in, we want them to have that same hope too. So I'd like to ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes now. Let's just pray for this weekend. Let's ask God that his greatness would be number one in this place. Ask God that he would draw in those people. and Maybe there's somebody on your mind you haven't gotten them a ticket yet. Don't wait for them to knock on your door like they did to mine. Let's go and take a step of faith and invite them in this week, next week, and say, hey, will you come be my guest? Will you be my friend at the dinner theater? Because nothing can separate me from the love of God. And certainly everything that's going on in your life, nothing can separate you. And our friends and our family, they have many issues, many barriers to coming to the gospel. But let's not let that separate them. Let's let the love of God reach them where they are. So take a moment in silent prayer. Would you lift up the names of the people that you've been inviting, that you're praying for, that you need to invite. Lift them up before God in the next 30, 40 seconds. Father God, we come before you and we are in awe at your greatness. God, that truth that we have just sung from your word, not life nor death, not the highs or the lows, nothing will separate me from the love of God. God, you've transformed my life. You've transformed the life of the people of this church. God, we thank you for the opportunity. You've called us to be your ambassadors this week. God, we we dedicate Friday and Saturday this week to you, Lord. We just ask that you would move in such a mighty way, Lord. God, remove every barrier from our friends and our family that we've invited. Remove the barriers from even being here. Lord, whenever they get here, would you let the message speak to them in such a powerful way? I know you've been talking to them, Lord, all along. And this is just another part of the process as we're, we're doing your work god i thank you for the miracles i've seen this week even in my own life you have you've done some pretty powerful miracles and i i see your hand working all around me and lord i ask you to work this week give me the boldness that i need to invite someone give me the courage the strength lord to step out in faith but most importantly lord i ask that you will do your job do your part lord in and do a mighty, mighty work in this church. We dedicate Friday and Saturday here to you, Lord. God, we ask that you'll be upon the pastor now as he opens up your word. And that you will speak to us through your word this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. That's such a beautiful song we just sang. and. Uh, We have to thank all these people up here in the front every week for helping us and encouraging us, amen? They do such a terrific job. Let's open our Bibles, uh, please, to the book of Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12. Last week I said to you that the book of Exodus was uh, divided into three sections. The first section is called Ruin. Uh, the nation of Israel, their lives had been ruined, uh, literally, their lifestyle, uh, by the Egyptians because of the bondage that they were under. The second section is called Redemption Through the Blood. That's what we're going to talk about today. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Verse number two, the Lord says, Listen, I'm going to give you a new calendar. Uh, I'm going to give you a new start. Your nation is going to get a brand new start here. And so, therefore, I want you to turn over a new page. Uh, Start counting the first of the year from this date. Verse number 4 says, And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbor next to the house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for a lamb. It's interesting how many times in here in the scriptures, the first section here, we have the word lamb. Uh, That is a theme throughout the whole Bible. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Go out and get a lamb, bring it home and keep it for four days, and then take its life. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two posts, doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then... They shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire and unleavened bread. With bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until the morning, and what remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now this is interesting to me, and I don't know how many times you've read this, and and it's so easy for us to miss this main point here. He says, I'm going to execute judgment on the gods of Egypt the gods of Egypt. Now, we know that those gods are false gods, but God says here, I'm going to flex my muscles and I'm going to show to everyone in Egypt how powerful I really am. And I'm going to show the people in Egypt that what they are worshiping is really not real. The gods are not These gods that they're worshiping are empty and void. Verse number 13, Now the blood shall be a sign. For you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You know, that is a timeless statement right there. It's good for all time. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord and throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Last week we talked to you about uh, God's way out of Egypt. Egypt means a way out. It was Joseph, remember, who was invited, who invited his family down into Egypt to save them. There was a famine in the land, and somehow this this boy Joseph, the the boy who had the coat of many colors, ended up in a place of supremacy in Egypt. Uh, he had the ability to understand dreams. And uh, he concocted a plan that he would gather in all of the plenty for a certain period of time, and uh, then he would have enough to meet the needs of a lot of people uh, when the famine came on the land. And so he was concerned about his family up in Canaan, and he invited them to come down and to be reunited with him, and it's one of the most precious stories in all the Bible. Whenever they came down to be reunited with him, they just had a small handful of people, about 70 people. When we read these words here, the nation of Israel has grown to about 2 or 3 million people now at this time. And of course, the people in Egypt didn't like this. They were very suspicious because every time they got a new census report, they saw the nation of Israel just kept growing They tried to suppress this growth by asking the midwives to take the lives of the little babies. But the midwives chose rather to believe God rather than man and to disobey the commandment of Pharaoh. And the nation kept growing. You have probably wondered as you've been reading through this passage of Scripture, uh, you see so many things in the Old Testament that look so familiar to you, even though they are not specifically stated. Last week, I, I gave you a verse, and I want to bring it up again uh, to just show you 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. And let's read this together this morning, all right? All these things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close. Now, This is more appropriate probably today than ever before because did you notice the last statement here? The last statement is, who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close. We believe, don't we, that we are living in a climactic hour, that the forces of prophecy are coming together uh, to usher in the coming of the Lord, And so now more than ever, we should not only be readers of the New Testament, but we should be readers of the Old Testament. Because here, Paul said to the Corinthians, those things in the Old Testament are examples for us. They were written down to warn us. And you've heard this statement many times. If you don't learn from history, you are bound to what? Repeat it, right? And so... This is why this gives us the impetus, the, uh, the motivation to read the Old Testament. We want to learn from history. We want to learn how God deals with nations. Now, in the Old Testament, there is this thing we call typology, the types of Egypt. Uh, we have a lot of them. They are pictures. They are shadows of things to come in the future. Uh, someone has said they are the microfilm of the New Testament. Persons, institutions, things, events that foreshadow a New Testament truth. Let me give you a few of them this morning. First of all, Egypt, the word, the land. It's a type of the world. Whenever we open our Bibles in Exodus chapter 1, we find Egypt. We find the nation of Israel in Egypt, the land of death. It's the enemy that we face in this life, the land of bondage, endless toil, hopeless despair. Egypt is a land of conflict between the people of God and the people of the world. And so you go out to work every week and you say, boy, why is it so tough out here? Why is it so hard? Uh, Why are people trying to put me down all the time? Why are people fighting me like this? As a Christian, I can't take my stand the way I should. Well, Egypt is a type of the world. It's a place of conflict the good forces of God against the evil forces of the devil. Pharaoh, in our story for this morning, is a type of Satan. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Uh, Pharaoh is a type of of Satan. He knows no limits in the pain that he can induce. And when we read the story, we say, man, what a wicked man he is. Moses is a type of Christ. You probably already figured that out. Uh, uh, I have several books in my library. Uh, They're written by Arthur Pink. Uh, He died in 1952. One of them is entitled Gleanings in Genesis, and the other is entitled Gleanings in Exodus. And Arthur Pink says that there are at least 75 points of comparison between the life of Jesus and the life of Moses. And so whenever you're reading about Moses, you're in your, in your mind, the back of your mind, saying this looks familiar because you're probably more familiar with the life of Christ than you are the life of Moses. Seventy-five times Moses did this, Jesus did this. Moses did this, Jesus did this. Seventy-five times. That's a lot. Moses is a type of Christ, a deliverer, In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he said one of these days a prophet is going to come to you just like me, referring to Jesus Christ. The wilderness is the school of God, the place of testing and training, and that's where you and I are living today, don't you think? The wilderness. God is testing us, God is training us, and uh, sometimes we wonder how much more testing and training do we really need, Lord. That's the types in the Bible. they are pictures of things to come. Then how about the plagues of Egypt? I know you've thought of them. You've read about them many times. Everyone that I know about believes that the plagues were to break down the resistance of Pharaoh so that he would let the people go. Makes Pharaoh sweat. Tighten the vice tighter and tighter. Eventually he'll break. But, you know, the Bible teaches something else. The Bible teaches that the plagues were given for a different purpose rather than breaking Pharaoh down to let the people go. Exodus 4.21 says this, The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. The Lord says, listen, you're going to do all these miracles that I'm going to do through you, but I just want you to know I'm going to harden his heart and he's not letting the people go. That's pretty hard to understand, isn't it? This plague comes and you think, okay, that broke the back of Pharaoh and he'll let us go now. And God says, no, no, he's not. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm going to keep him from letting you go. The same thing is said in Exodus seven four. The same thing is said in Exodus God said to Moses, He will not let you go. He won't let you go because I'm going to harden his heart. You know, Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years. They had seen no miracle. Uh, There was no exhibition of divine power. They only knew God as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They just knew God historically and not experientially. And that's where we, we fall into it sometimes. You know, we look, we read the Bible as a history book rather than something that's living and alive and applicable for our life today. Uh, sometimes we think, well, God was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but I'm not so sure about being our God today. Well, these people had been in bondage for 400 years. They only knew God historically. And so these miracles, these plagues that were coming on the land uh, were to build their faith in God, to get them to believe once again that this God that they came together and they sometimes ritualized was really real. And so all these plagues came upon on the land. The blood in the Nile, the frogs, the gnats, the flies, the plague on on the livestock, boils, hail and lightning, locusts, It went on and on, darkness. It was to get them ready for their journey, to give them something so vivid to think about that when Moses said, listen, it's time to leave, they'd have the courage to leave because it's really hard to break out of your comfort zone no matter how miserable your comfort zone really is. It's what we're aware of. To get them ready to go into the wilderness... It was also given, these plagues were given for another reason, and if you'll turn back to Genesis chapter 10, verse 2, I'll show it to you. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done to Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. These plagues were given in the Old Testament to be stories that you and I tell to our children, to remind them this is what God did back in those days. Uh, and so we, st- we still tell those stories today. When your kids come to our Sunday school, uh, they probably at least one time throughout the year hear about the plagues of Egypt. And they come home and they tell you this extraordinary story about how God delivered the nation of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Well, you know, the wilderness was not a step forward for many of these people Because Egypt, as hard as it was, was still civilization. Moses was asking them to go out into the desert. But, you know, there's a sense of security in Egypt. They yearned to get out of Egypt, but it was hard for them because they knew what to expect there in Egypt. Have you ever heard the statement, better the devil you know than the devil you don't? Now, they knew the devil well down in Egypt, but they didn't know what was waiting for them out in the wilderness. And so they were reluctant to go. And so God kept performing these miracles to show them, listen, it's okay, it's okay to go. Look at my power. Look at what I can do. Another reason why the plagues came upon the Egyptians was for retribution. The Bible says, and we read it here in verse number 12, that God was going to, God was going to judge the gods of Egypt. Uh, the nation of Israel had really tortured, had been tortured in Egypt and God was going to, it was paid back time God was going to judge the nation I went on the internet and I uh, and you you can do this as well to find out all the different gods that uh, God, our God, Jehovah God was coming against in Egypt one article that I read said there were at least 80 gods in Egypt, 80, at this particular time and when God came down to pour out the plagues on Egypt, he was targeting some of those 80 gods to show the nation of Israel that he is really the God, the Almighty, the Almighty One. Well, the redemption through the blood is the real story uh, for our message this morning. First of all, it's about the Passover. And the Passover is a picture of Calvary. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 puts it perfectly. Let's read that together. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. The Passover is a picture. Remember, now we're talking about typology. The Passover time was a picture of what Jesus did for you and me upon the cross. This event was the beginning of time for Israel. God says, and we read it in the first few verses here in Exodus chapter 12, that uh, He wanted them to make to have a new calendar. Walter Pitkin wrote a book entitled Life Begins at Fifty. Uh, this book, Our Bible, Exodus. 12 said for the nation of Israel life begins at Calvary that's where life begins there's a fellow in our church he came to one of our Christmas programs one year and God used that to bring him to Christ I call him now some of you may know him I call him now the Bishop of Finleyville he told me just the other day he said you know I've read the Bible through coming up coming up to the close of it right now He said, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, the lights went on. And I'm sure that he would echo what I just said, life begins at Calvary. He has a brand new life, even though he's a senior citizen. Don't tell him I said that, senior citizen part. Uh, He has a brand new life. Life begins at Calvary. Well, let's just look at some of the features here of uh, this life that begins at Calvary. First of all, it begins with a lamb. This is a thread that runs through the scriptures. On the 10th of the first month, each family was to get a lamb. The lamb was to live with the family for four days until Passover. In this way, the lamb became part of the family. By the time it was sacrificed on the 14th day, it was both cherished and mourned. God wanted the sacrifice of something precious, the lamb. You know, throughout the whole Bible, there's a story of the lamb. You probably noticed it. I just read it in Revelation chapter 5 and in Revelation chapter 22, the lamb is still mentioned there. But it's mentioned, or at least implied, as early as Genesis chapter 4. Remember Abel's offering? The lamb is typified. And then remember the ram caught in the thicket in Genesis chapter 22, the lamb there was prophesied. In Exodus chapter 12, we're reading here, the Lamb is specified. In Isaiah chapter 53, the Lamb is personified. And in John 1.29, the Lamb is identified. And John the Baptist said, Behold the what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Revelation chapter 5, the Lamb is magnified. And in Revelation chapter 22, the Lamb is glorified. It begins with the Lamb... Uh, salvation, forgiveness, deliverance begins with a lamb. The Passover is a testimony that salvation was by the blood of the lamb. Blood of the lamb. The Bible also says here that they're to do it for their household. This was to be a family event. Everybody was to be included. What does that mean? That means that God built his nation on families. The sacredness of the home. This particular lamb was to be a male of the first year. What does that mean? It speaks of tenderness and innocence. A little lamb of the first year. Isaiah 53, 7 says it well. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a what? Lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This lamb was to be without blemish. Now remember, we're, we're doing this typology thing right now. This lamb is a picture of Christ. Almost in every respect, this lamb was young and innocent and went to the slaughter without protesting, just as Jesus did. This lamb was to be without blemish. Remember Judas, you know what he said? I have betrayed innocent blood. What did Pilate say? I find no fault in him. The centurion who watched Jesus die on the cross, what did he say? Certainly this was a righteous man. The dying thief on the cross said, but this man has done nothing wrong. And Jesus himself said, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? This lamb was without blemish. When Jesus died upon the cross, he was absolutely perfect because he was God, and he was laying down his life for us, for you and for me, those who needed to be saved by his grace. Well, this lamb was to be taken among the flocks, uh, just out of the flock. You know, whenever Jesus grew up, they had, there was nothing peculiar about him, no distinguishing about him. He was just one of the lambs among the flock. Prophecy identifies Christ with mankind. Isaiah 53, 2 says, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. When Jesus walked down the street, they didn't say, Oh, look at him. Look at Jesus. Doesn't he look different? No, he looked like everybody else. But when he opened his mouth, they knew he was different. When he touched people with his hands, they knew he was different. But just to look at him, they said, listen, we know him. He grew up in Nazareth. He's just a carpenter, that's all. Well, this lamb had to be killed and the blood had to be shed. And I think after keeping that little lamb in your house for four days, it would be kind of hard to do that, one. And so the blood had to be taken. And look at verse number 7 in Exodus chapter 12. And they take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. They were to paint the doorpost, the cross piece across across the door, on the side post, on the step. The blood above were the thorns pierced Christ's head. The blood on the sides where the nails pierced his hands and the blood below on the threshold was where the blood had pierced his feet. It was like a circle of blood. And if you were living in uh, Egypt at that time, maybe this is what your doorpost would look like after it was painted with the blood of the Lamb. Well, you know, The Lord said, listen, I'm coming through, I'm sending the death angel through, and when he sees the blood, he'll pass over you. You know, we're we're saved not by who we are, but where we are. When we are in Christ, we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, I heard an imaginary story one time about a little boy living in Egypt at that time, and uh, his father to leave the message that they were supposed to get the blood and put it in a basin and get some hyssop and paint the doorpost of the house because the death angel was coming through. And that night the father went out and he took that little lamb that he had gathered four days before and he had took its life and he had the blood all ready to paint on the doorpost, but he came in the house and he was doing some other things and the little boy said, Daddy, aren't you going to paint the doorpost?" And the dad said, sure, I will, son. Just go to bed. Everything will be... I'll take care of it. And in the morning, when all these cries went out from all over Egypt, as the Bible said it did, uh, the family was awakened and they ran to the front door and there, and lo and behold, there was the blood in the basin still and none on the doorpost. It was shed but not applied. And I think that you understand the message. All of us have heard the story of the cross, the blood shed. Christ died upon the cross. He bled out his life for the sins of the world. But all of that and all of that work is meaningless unless the blood is applied to our life. Unless we by faith, apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our own heart. You know, people go through Christmas and Easter and hear the message time and time again, but never somehow reach down and take that blood and apply it to their own life. We're saved by not who we are. It was not what those people were behind that door that saved them. It was the faith that they had in the shed blood. And so we look at ourselves today and we say, listen, I'm not worthy to be saved. To be sure, we're not worthy to be saved. But uh, we are not saved by our merits. We are saved by His blood, by what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross, by trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, there's one other thought. The death angel came through and those Who had the faith to put the blood on the on the doorpost were saved. And that very day they were supposed to eat, the flesh, roasted in fire, leavened bread and bitter herbs, and they were to do it with their their belt on, their sandals on their feet, their staff in their hand. It was the Lord's Passover. You know, the blood of Christ, the Lamb, was their safety but it was also their food. They were to take the lamb and they were to eat the lamb. And they were to go in the strength of the lamb into the wilderness. And that's where we are today. We have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? We have been saved by the blood. Uh, But that's just the first part of the journey. We're then to go out into the wilderness by the food that we partake of from the Lamb. He gives us our substance. And some of us have been walking out in the wilderness for a long time with the Lord. Amen. We've been out there. And it's so wonderful to be out there with the Lord. Yeah, we look back at Egypt every now and then and say, boy, that's that's really comfortable and there's not too much danger there. But I'd rather be out here with the Lord because He meets my needs every day. He takes care of me in the wilderness. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all we have to do is what? Follow, right? Well, that which became their safety became their food. And here they were to eat this meal, the Passover meal, and they were to go into the wilderness in the strength and the energy of the provision of the Lord. The Lord will give you the strength and the energy that you need to go the distance through the wilderness And all you have to do is follow him. That's all. The wilderness is not heaven. Heaven is later. The wilderness is strange, uncharted territory. The Bible says they had not come this way heretofore. And that's you and me every day. We have not come this way heretofore. But we're following the cloud, and the fire as we walk through the wilderness with the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I wonder where you stand in this story. Are you here this morning and you've heard the message of Christ a hundred times or a thousand times about the blood that was shed on the cross for your sins? Are you here this morning... Maybe you've never applied the blood to your own personal life. Maybe you've never said, Lord, cover me with your blood. Give me your forgiveness. I'm trusting in what you did upon the cross for me, not what I can do. I'm trusting in your work and your work alone. Well, no, if you've never made that decision for Christ, you can today in this church. You can reach out to him by faith, and embrace Him as your Savior and become covered in His blood and protected uh, for time and for eternity by receiving Him as your Savior. The Bible says, To as many as received Him, to them gave He the authority to become the children of God. When you receive Christ, you're safe. You're secure in the hand of the Lord and He'll give you the strength for the rest of the journey. Dear Lord, we thank you for this uh, this picture which we have seen painted in the Bible for us today. Well, you have applied this to our life, Lord, and many of us in this room have can look back to a period and time in our life that the blood of Jesus Christ flooded over our soul, and our sins were washed away. But I pray especially for those few maybe in our church this morning that have never had that experience. They know about the story of what you've done, but they, they don't know you. I pray that you give them the faith today to reach out to you and embrace you as their Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song this morning. And as we sing this invitation song this morning, if you feel led by God and you need to come and pray here at the altar, please feel free to do that as we sing together.
1: my desire
2: encouraged in the word today. I was encouraged by the whole service and your presence today in the service. Turn around and shake hands with as many people as you can today. The tickets are available in the foyer for the dinner theater. You're throwing things did you see that (laughs) it is yeah I saw I
1: don't miss it.